It's Macy. This is Macy. I'm Macy. Again. This is Reels and Records, episode 5. I'm very, very, very beyond excited to talk about today's soundtrack because it is the god of all soundtracks. I'm kind of losing my voice a little bit already, which is not a great start, but it's okay, and we'll move past that. It's based on the novel by Andre Esman, which I recently read and was so severely damaged by. It's directed by Luca Guadagnino, one of the most awe-inspiring directors in the industry today, starring Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer. <sighs> an alluring and blissful portrait of an ideal hazy summer atmosphere somewhere in northern Italy. Call me by your name. Call Me By Your Name soundtrack, I'm just going to say it, the soundtrack is the reason for the film's greatness. It is the reason. It's not the stunning cinematography, though the cinematography is stunning, and it's not the authentically heartfelt dialogue, though the dialogue is authentically heartfelt. Guadagnino is kind of known for creating films where the music is a truly indispensable aspect. However, not very often does he compose the music or hire someone to compose the music for him. He pulls together a soundtrack from existing music, and in this case, existing classical music, for the most part, which I applaud, because not only does it fit in with the atmosphere of the film so well, it's also royalty-free, which means, for a lot of the songs, I can put as much of them as I want to into this podcast. <laughs> the soundtrack was pieced together mainly by Sufjan Stevens, who we have talked about before on the podcast because his songs were featured in the Little Miss Sunshine soundtrack. It features pieces by John Adams, Ryuichi Sakamoto, a lot of other people's names that I can't pronounce, and that's my bad. That's definitely on me, and I should have researched. Um, the Psychedelic Furs are on this album. Um, Maurice Ravel and Bach, I think, are the most important. The Bach, you know, like Bach the composer. <laughs> and of course, the three songs by Sufjan Stevens himself. Um, but we're going to save those for last because they have so much meaning and are so perfectly done for this film. The score starts off with a piano duet called Hallelujah Junction Movement One. The piece is composed for two pianos to play at the same time. And if you look up a video of two people performing it, it's one of the most insane things to watch. It's super cool. The piece has really insane patterns and rhythms that would be so difficult to get the timing right. I, I could definitely not. But at the same time, the composer found a way to make pianos sound like church bells ringing through the streets of Italy, and it's astonishing to listen to a piece as grand as this one. A lot of the pieces in the soundtrack, especially the first one that we just talked about, sound very youthful and innocent. And it's almost as if the music in the film is taking the place of the fact that the book was from Elio's perspective. In the book, we could read all of his thoughts, but since the existence of a movie kind of prohibits that, now we're hearing his thoughts in the score. Elio is experiencing love at such a young age and for the first time, and it completely engulfs his entire being. This is something that you can obviously see in the movie, but in the book he is so loudly in love and captured by the feeling of it, and the 17-year-old boy knows exactly the right words to express this to the reader. In the film, 
Now, the audience captures the conveyed thoughts and emotions of Elio by way of music. I think the youthful innocence in this music helps a lot to explain why Elio is so emphatically overcome by love. It's just something that comes with experiencing love for the first time, which is why I think so many of Elio's actions and emotions are driven by the fact that he is so innocently infatuated. The next piece is May in the Backyard by Ryuichi Sakamoto. It also captures the youthful feeling. Not only does it do that, but it also feels exactly like a summer day, which I I think I would sell a kidney to have one right now. It exudes summer heat, frolicking wind, fresh orange juice, the noise of crickets and bees buzzing around, and the perfect song to describe an environment like this one in this film. Next we have Sonatine Bureaucratique. I hope I pronounced that right. I love this song. I love it. It has such a simple and classic feel to it. I feel like I can picture Elio playing it on piano just listening to the song. I love the fast running notes. I love the feel of anticipation and excitement inside of the piece. I love the quick switches to a minor key and then abruptly back to major, like like it's a peek into the inside of Elio's mind where the high of having a crush is briefly met with the low of doubting and intense anxiety. And I love that it bounces back to a major key so quickly after that small period of darkness because no matter what Elio does to steer himself away from Oliver, he will always be inevitably bathed in adoration for him. The next piece from the soundtrack is very hard to pronounce because I'm, it's in German. I think it's in German, and so I'm just gonna say it like it's English. Or actually, I'll look it up right now. Zion Hort, die Wachtner, Wachtner, singing. No one's gonna tell me how to pronounce it on the internet, I guess. So we're gonna go with that. It's it's track six. <laughs> All right, track six. It's originally a Bach composition from 1731. What really grabs my attention in this piece is the fullness of it. There's a lot of strength behind the piece, but it's strength that still gives way to delicacy. There are breakthroughs of these floating melodies that are so sweetly placed in the piece at the perfect point of needed contrast. The piece has a sense of regality and distinction, but then bends to softer, subtly pleasant grace notes. The piece then ends with an even more powerful essence, slamming octaves, building speed until the grand ending, the ending of all endings.
And if I were to really dive into this and maybe surpass what even Guadagnino intended for the song to accomplish, I would say that this song is Oliver at its core. Sorry, I just cracked my knuckle. <laughs> I would. This song is Oliver. It's just Oliver in a song. And I don't think that makes sense, so let me explain. It's accomplished, it's distinguished, and worst of all, at the end, it moves on. But those little influences of warmth, the details of tenderness, the taste of love is laced into the piece. But that may be taking it too far, who knows? One of my favorite pieces from Call Me By Your Name, and one of the most well-known classical pieces from it at least, is called Un Barc Sur... Oh my gosh, French people. You know what? It's track eight. Originally composed by Ravel, who is slowly becoming one of my favorite ever classical composers. This piece is the peak of a dreamy Italian summer. It feels like butterflies and running and wind and smiles and the ocean. It feels exactly like all of that. And as encased in pure joy this song seems to be, and as light as it feels to listen to, there's a pretty deep poetic sense of mourning the loss of time and always running out of time. The constant arpeggios and fast pace seem to really induce a sense of urgency as a consequence of this passing time, which reflects the film's timeline very well. Unfortunately well. The last classical piece from the score that I want to touch on is called Another French Title, Le Jardin Jardin Ferrique. I should have never started a podcast (laughs) if I can't speak. Okay, track 16. This is a slowed piece compared to what we've been hearing so far, and it has a lot of heavyweight emotion to lift. The slow piano creates a reminiscence of previous piano pieces in the film, but now, aged with time and too much knowledge and far too much pain, this is a beautiful piece. I feel like I don't have enough words to express why it is as touching as it is. It carries such a unique but familiar tone and melody, which is astonishing to me because to be both unique and familiar seems near impossible. At the very end of the song, the intensity has really built up and now we're hearing these insane ascending and descending bits. call me by your name much less screams more like like wails sobs i've never gone through more ups and downs in such a short short period of time than the last 10 minutes of that movie one minute nothing will ever be okay again and the next minute elio's dad is telling me that we rip out so much of ourselves to be cured of things faster that we go bankrupt by the age of 30 and have less to offer each time we start with someone new, but to make yourself feel nothing so as not to feel anything. What a waste. Real quick, before moving on to Sofian's pieces, I want to talk about the 80s music used in the film. I specifically want to talk about Love My Way by the Psychedelic Furs. 
and Lady 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 by Joe Esposito. Not only do these songs solidify the atmosphere we're supposed to feel completely surrounded by, but they also have such a strong presence in the film. They're so important. If you listen to the lyrics, a lot of them correlate with the plot and the meaning of the movie. It's just, they're just, they're just good. They're so good. Um, I listened to Love My Way on repeat for several days after watching the film just because it's that good. I just had to briefly state my appreciation. That is it. Now, to worship Sufjan Stevens' musical genius in tracks 9, 13, and 17. These tracks are Futile Devices, uh, Mystery of Love, and Visions of Gideon. Sufjan Stevens has a very distinct sound that is so unique to himself. Obviously, there are influences and similarities, but I feel like it's pretty safe to say that Sufjan owns it. It's his. <laughs> In an article from Sony Records, I read a quote from Luca who said, An artist for whom I have enormous admiration is Sufjan. His voice is fantastic and angelic, and his lyrics are so sharp and deep and full of sorrow and beauty. The music is so haunting. All these elements were the ones I wanted to envision in the film. Track nine is Futile Devices, um, the Doveman remix, which I think is Doveman. If it's Doveman, then that is what I said. Um, Futile Devices isn't composed by Sefian, but the remix and the re-record of his vocals are his doing, so it's, it's his. Um, he sings in hushed tones that complement the setting and the characters and the cinematic environment so well. Words being futile devices is one of the most romantic metaphors I have ever heard, and I hate it so much. Futile in the way that they're incapable of producing any useful, useful result. They're pointless. The song is saying, words are pointless. They don't communicate near enough the way I feel about you, but I'm going to try anyways, and this whole song is going to be me worshipping your every move. Track 13 is Mystery of Love. Mystery of Love is so beautifully curated to melt into every aspect of this film. I'm at a loss for words wondering how anyone is capable of matching music to a movie this well, this effectively. The first time that you kissed me Track 17 and the final track is Visions of Gideon. Visions of Gideon begins with this repetitive note. That note alone tugs at your chest. It makes the piece feel so stagnant and suffocated. The song plays during the last scene, a scene I have heaps and heaps of overwhelming, overflowing appreciation for. There's so much emotion exploding in a scene where hardly anything seems to be happening. Elio is still, hardly moving, staring into a crackling fireplace for, and I looked this up, 
three and a half minutes, not a single cut. I don't think I don't think everyone understands how impressive that is. Like that is beyond impressive for the the amount of acting that Timmy had to do for this. Like that was insane. Being forced to sit with your emotions, to sit still with them, is a gut-wrenching experience. It overcomes you. It's one of the hardest things to let yourself do. And Guadagnino has the guts to place that uncomfortable burden on the shoulders of every soul that watches this film. And Sufjan Stevens had the guts to create the musical embodiment of such a staggeringly numb scene. With lyrics that feel like the repetitive corrosive thoughts eating away at Elio's mind and existence, we as an audience are roped into his suffering with no choice but to think his thoughts, taste his tears, feel the fire burning, and remember everything. I hope you guys had a nice day and your music hits extra hard and I hope that you liked episode five. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I'll catch you next time. Later. <laughs> Is it a video? Is it a video?